1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 116 of Parenting in Real Life.
0: Oh my gosh, I wasn't ready to start.
1: But now you are.
0: Now I'm ready.
1: <laughs> to start off our episode today, we want to talk about our no screens challenge, which is currently going on. How do you feel about it, Alan?
0: Decent, honestly. So that's hope for you first timers, that every time you do this, maybe it's a little bit better.
1: Yeah, on Sunday, we were home all day because we Zoomed church from home because it was a special two hour conference and it's really hard for the kids to sit in the same spot for two hours. So we just watched it at home, but that meant we were home together all day with no screens. It was it's a lot. lot. It went a lot better than I thought it was going to. Yeah. We definitely had fighting. There were definitely moments where we had to like, okay, everyone needs a break from each other and be in their own rooms. But I think they had more playtime together that day than they had in a really long time.
0: Yeah. And they did, they did pretty dang good. I also think the going to the rooms thing, that's always like a go-to natural consequence, right? Like, hey, you're not getting along with other people, so you need to go to your room. But for some reason, it feels like it works more now. And I think it's because they know that they can't just escape and watch shows. I think the common sentiment we've heard from our kids is like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. Going to your room is actually the solution to that question most of the time for the kids. Because their room is where all the toys are and all the fun stuff is. But when they can come watch screens, none of it is as cool as the common areas. But now when we send them to their rooms, a lot of times they get sucked into what's in their rooms. Because I think they find that it's their best option. So I think sending them to the room is happening a lot. But I think when they do, they're coming up with something to
1: do. And I think they just need a break from each other. I think we're like, okay, things were just at one point we're getting too crazy and everyone was really loud and in each other's faces. And we're like, okay, everyone just needs a break. Everyone just go in your room for a few minutes.
0: We set a timer for 30 minutes. Yep. Half the kids came back after like 15, 20 minutes, but the other kids like got sucked into something and didn't come back for an hour. So it was enough of the kids that found something to do in their rooms that when a few came back, it was still manageable. And the other kids were happy and content in their rooms.
1: Yeah. So, so far, so good. I think the hardest parts have been there's more messes because the kids the are... The
0: screens aren't messy.
1: Yeah. Screens aren't messy at all, but crafting and Jack and Lucy did OOBLEC today, that gets messy. So definitely more messes to clean up. Yeah. I think the other thing is is that I work from home and... Usually I would let the kids watch screens while I work. And now they don't have that option. It's mostly Lucy because Jack goes to kindergarten half day. So Lucy was upset that she couldn't watch her shows and it took her a little while to figure out what she wanted to do. And then she was fine, but it's harder for me to, because I'm trying to work. She usually needs more help with things because she's trying to do other activities. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of hard. It's just like, Oh, I really need to work and I don't have a screen to keep my kid occupied.
0: Yep. You do learn like what's great about screens is that they're clean They're free and they're good babysitters, Mm -hmm. right? They're like zero interaction of the parent. So there's a totally a reason for screens. There's just also a price for screens too. And so I think doing this helps you remember here's why they're good. And here's why they're bad.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're seeing
0: both. I definitely hope that we can maintain this to some degree if we can, Phasing in like dedicated screen time instead of screens all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I hope we can come to some sort of middle ground. Like a dedicated screen time could be the two hours you're working and need to get stuff done. Right. right for Lucy. I just don't love the screens all the time. Every time.
1: And I came up with two lists, 30-plus indoor activities and 30-plus outdoor activities that are on our website, ParentingIRLPodcast.com, just on the most recent blog post, and you can just download those for free. And so if you're looking for things to do and your kids are bored and they're not sure what to do, then those are some things. And I tried to make them as least amount of parent involvement as possible. <laughs> so that way... There's
0: a couple... I mean, there's definitely some. misses.
1: Well, there's definitely some of <laughs> the parent needs to be involved. But I try to do more things that the kids could just do on their own that didn't necessarily involve the parent.
0: If I were you, I would white out the... Baking soda and vinegar, volcano, and the oobleck before your kids see it. Because that's all our kids want to do. Because they're like, this is on a list of things I can do. And now that's what they want to do all the time.
1: We did do oobleck this morning, and I told them they had to do it outside, and it mostly stayed outside. Except they started it without me. I was like, guys, this is something I have to help you with. You can't just make oobleck by yourself because they don't know the ratio. And they got the dye out, which I don't know how they got that, but they got food dye out and they were dyeing it like too much. I'm like, oh my gosh. So, just make sure your kids know that that is an activity that the parent needs to be there for.
0: <laughs> Take luck. <laughs> so today we have an interview, but we did want to share just a really quick parenting in real life moment. <laughs> we had Jello on Sunday for dinner, and Jack was shaking the Jello. He said, "Dad, this Jello jiggles like your belly," and I didn't know if he said like "your" as in dad's belly or "your" as in everybody's belly. So I clarified, and I was like. Like, everybody's belly? And he's like, no, like, yours.
1: <laughs> so, that was great. And then I continue the dissing on your parents. Just, like, ten minutes later, Cammy was asking about the movie The Lion King. She's like, when did that come out? Was that, like, 2000? And I was like, no, earlier than that. I was, like, Chloe's age when that came out. And she's like, oh, so that's really old. <laughs> I was like, it's not that old.
0: Rude. Rude. <laughs>
1: Goodness gracious. Apparently our kids think that we're old and jiggly.
0: (laughs) Oh, at least they think of us. (laughs) And now for our Hot Mess Hot Minute. So today we have an interview with Kimball Lewis. He's the CEO of EmpoweringParents.com.
1: So we have three main points that we talked with him about today. The first one is, why do kids act out? The second is, avoid the why trap. So that's when... And I have definitely done this where you're like, why did you do that? (laughs) Asking your kids why they did a behavior. So how to avoid that. And then the third thing is the number one rule for giving consequences. You can't punish your child into good behavior. And so we just kind of talk about handling bad behavior and punishment and stuff like that. So he had a lot of great things to say. He has tons more information. They help parents, especially parents of children with really hard behaviors. And so if you feel like your child is exceptionally hard to handle, that is their target parent. Go to empoweringparents.com and they just have tons of information. They have coaching. They do classes and stuff like that to help parents learn how to better deal with the behavior of their kids.
0: Yep. I think you'll find that this is a little bit different spin than some of the other people that we've interviewed. So hope you enjoy it.
1: All right. We are so excited to have Kimball Lewis on the podcast with us today. Kimball is an executive who has spent his career using research and technology to improve the lives of individuals and businesses. And he began his career as a health, welfare and child policy researcher for a leading public policy think tank in Washington, D.C. He then served as a technologist and executive in a series of successful healthcare startup businesses. And then he joined empoweringparents.com as CEO in 2017. He is committed to ensuring that the timeless and practical parenting advice of James Lehman and the total transformation endures for future generations of parenting, struggling to manage the most challenging child behavior problems, which is perfect because that is what we talk a lot about on our podcast is just... Behavior problems that we're having with our kids. So, Kimball, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your? We got your business side. Tell us about your family life.
2: Okay, so I I live in Florida right now. I used to live in the Northeast, and I have two teenage no, I have two boys. One <laughs> one is twenty and one is eighteen, so they're not teenagers anymore. Oh, right. I
1: just came out of it. And
2: they and they just moved out of the house this fall. So we're, we are suddenly empty nesters, but they're only, they're only half an hour away. We finished the whole parenting thing. Sort of. I mean, they're (laughs) right. They're out of the house. That's a
1: big transition moving from kids at home to empty nesting.
2: It's been okay. Actually. I was actually more concerned before they left. Like I had this anxiety about them leaving for Mm -hmm. like the month ahead of time. It was kind of sad. And when they left, I actually just got back to my normal life and it was, it wasn't bad. (laughs) Right.
1: That's good. My,
2: my wife and I like each other a lot. So that helps. <laughs> <laughs> that does help.
1: That does help a lot.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
2: So why don't you share your parenting in real life moment with us, Kimball? So my parenting in real life moment is, if you met my son, he's very earnest. It was like, he has a certain earnestness to him. And he's very honest. And he came up to me one day and he just told me, he goes, dad, I don't, I don't like you. Like I, I really have this, this. It's like almost hatred in my heart towards you. I don't like you. I felt horrible. I'm a little bit of a people pleaser. I mean, I hate to say that, but I, but I am. Like I really care what people think about me. I wish I didn't, because life would be easier if I didn't. But he told me that, and it was really hard. And we had been going through about a six month struggle where he was having sort of motivation issues. I was kind of on him. Like I'm like, no, you can't do electronics before you're getting your homework done. And you know, it was kind of getting towards the end of his sort of high school days. And and he was probably a little burned out, but I was on him at various times. I wasn't very nice about it either, but you have this normal conflict where you're the parent, you're not your friend you're the parent. And you have to do these things about parenting. Your kid doesn't like it. And yeah. as a result, my son didn't like me. And he told me that. And it was just, it was very, very hard to handle yeah. that. And I felt guilty. And I felt like all these different emotions. Cause I have this, I have this vision that my son would be my like good friend. And he is my friend, but at that time he wasn't, I was his father he was my son. And there were some issues that I had to be the kind of like the good boss. Like we have to get this stuff done. And anyway, it was really hard. I felt very guilty and conflicted and I lost sleep over it.
0: Yeah. So Where, where do you go from there?
2: I talked to a lot of people about it. I talked to my wife about it. Just how you feel. Like I, like I, at various times, like I wanted to cry. Like I didn't, like my son, he doesn't like me
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. and he
2: told me that to my face. And so you just, you just if you're around people that love you and and that you have good relationships with, they'll either tell you like you're not in a good place right now and you need to change or this is just comes to the territory and and so I try to get that feedback and and it was it was a little of both. there were things that I had to improve on and there were also things that this is just part of being a parent. your kid doesn't like the rules you set sometimes and that's yeah. just your role and it's hard so that
0: is hard
1: how do you feel like your relationship with your son is
2: now? oh, it's great everything's everything's Going well. Oh good. <laughs> He's doing well too, but these things go up and down. You know, you can say that about relationships of any kind. So yeah. but you know what we do? And this is something that maybe will come up in our, our points later on, is that is you don't take these things personally, even though it's personal, like your child says to you, I don't like you. It's just relationship stuff. Or if they're having a behavior problem, even if they swear at you. Like we have a lot of parents that come to empoweringparents.com and their kids look at them in the face and say, you know, F you, Mom, I hate you. Mm-hmm. They say that right to that. It's very hurtful. Yeah, And especially when you feel like you've sacrificed to raise your kids or whatever, we tell them, don't take it personally. Even though they're saying something horribly personal to you, don't take it personally
1: right. because,
2: because they have a behavior problem. They're struggling with growing up. And if you take it personally, you're not going to respond effectively.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And second of all, if you take it personally, it's hard to offer your child grace. And that's like such an important thing because whether it's a spouse or a child or or whatever, relationships are hard and people are going to say things that they maybe they meant it at the time but you have to offer them grace because people are going to say bad things to you especially our loved ones. Mm-hmm. And if you can't offer them grace for those things, you'll never get back to a place. And we're all guilty of those things. Everyone has said something not nice to someone or or whatever. So we recommend to parents don't take it personally and offer your child grace, let them improve and then when they're better, you know, forget all the horrible things he said to you. Yeah. So, yeah. And you can have a good relationship afterwards.
1: Yeah.
0: I think that leads nicely into the first thing we want to talk about. What's the root of why kids act out?
2: So our main thesis, and it's the work that James Lehman with the program called the Total Transformation Program, which is a parenting program that's available on our site, that the number one reason kids act out is that they have poor problem-solving skills. Hmm. And the, the acting out is a way of solving a problem that they have. So either their, their problem is a, like a social problem, like they, they don't know how to deal with frustration or anxiety. And they don't know how to deal with it effectively. And their response is to act out. And very often acting out works, which is why they do it. It's not a good skill to learn because in the long run, it's not going to help them. But in the short run, when they act out, when they're frustrated, they have anxiety, mom and dad step in and fix the problem for them. Mm -hmm. And they go, that worked. My problem's gone away. Right. So those are like social type problems. If they have functional problems, like they have motivation, like when you start hitting adolescence, you have homework to do and things like that. It's hard to do homework. It's hard to discipline yourself. Sit down and do something you don't feel like doing when you'd rather be playing video games, and when they don't want to do their math homework, sometimes they'll act out or fight when their parents say you need to do it. And if they do it enough, eventually the parents will get worn down and they won't ask them anymore. We see that all the time. I've given up with my kid; I, it's not worth it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. fight with them anymore. Uh, and so it worked for them. They acted out, and it solved that particular problem. Now it's not a good problem-solving skills. As life gets older and you have more and more complex relationships. You have more responsibilities as you hit high school and then, and then even beyond if acting out is your go-to problem solving skill, your life is going to be really hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You're not going to get too far. You're not going to get far and you end up in a bad place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know we definitely have some listeners where they're kind of at that stage with their kids of their kids aren't motivated. So how do you help them instead of nagging them? And if their kids are acting out, what are some things that you can do as a parent to help them in the motivation process?
2: So the truth is a lot of kids aren't going to be motivated to do homework Mm -hmm. and it's hard to make them motivated. And when kids do get motivated, it's because they've had some success. They've gotten a good grade or something. And that usually what motivates people, they have a little bit of success. So what you want to do is set up a system where your child has a chance for some success and then they're likely to get motivated. And a lot of that is around setting up a, a homework environment that works. So for example, one thing we recommend is the bedroom is a horrible place for kids to do homework. If they're having homework, motivation problems, you want them to do their homework in a public place, the kitchen table, someplace where there are eyes on them. So they're accountable to whoever's around, but locked in their room for three hours. And then you come in three hours later, expecting their homework to be done. That's not the best environment. So just very practical homework in a public place. If you're having trouble with your child doing homework. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is homework's important to you as a parent, but it's not important to the child to do the homework in these cases. So you want to tie the homework to something that is important to the child, such as their ability to see their friends or electronics time or whatever. So in order to get those things, they have to do their homework first. So you you have to tie the things that they want that are important to them to the homework. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So we have a son who's seven and he really struggles with homework. And last week we did a week of virtual learning because our school district shut down. And it was so hard to get him to do his stuff. He hated it, but I usually do tie it to that. Like, well, you can't play with your friends until this work is done. And it is so frustrating for him to even get anything done. And it really wears on my patience. So do you have any like <laughs> tips to help with <laughs> so, a child like that? <laughs> and now for a quick break. It brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. Well,
2: it's good that you have that. There is a consequence. If he doesn't get his work done, he doesn't get what he wants, which is how everything works. If you don't go to work, you don't get paid. So right. first of all, so you set up the consequence, but we also recommend coaching your child Mm. as to ways to how to cope these things. And then show some empathy at the same time, which is, I understand these kids at home that are trying to stay motivated, doing virtual learning. It's not easy.
1: Mm
2: So we would do things like move them to the kitchen table, set a particular time for them, give them the structure that they're not mature enough to set up themselves. Right. And then give yourself a break too, because it gets really hard as as a parent. So we advocate self-care on those things. So that, especially if you're helping your kid with your homework, if you find yourself getting frustrated, you should walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that makes it, it makes it worse when now you're in on it. That's something that I learned. Cause we did homeschooling for quite a while hmm. and there were times where I had to step away from the homeschooling cause I was getting too frustrated myself. Yeah. So you just had to
0: sort of recognize those triggers. What if the consequence doesn't work? What if you're like, Hey, no friends until you do your homework. And they decide I would rather not do my homework than play with my friends. <laughs> <than> not have friends.
2: <laughs> So, so the key here is to find a consequence of consequence to your child.
1: So you need to find
2: out what is of consequence to your child and then tie that to the consequences. Mm-hmm. And very often it could be that the, he actually does value his friends, mm-hmm. but he's going to fight with you in the short term to see if he can convince you that he doesn't care.
0: Right. And I think that's what and, it always is. They're testing their limits. But
2: Yes. So, so it could be that it is working and you just have to stick with it. And after a few weeks, maybe he'll they'll come around or whatever. So so that's what you have to figure out, is it really important to the child or not? Mm -hmm. And sometimes a consequence is an actual consequence, but the child chooses to accept that consequence, which is actually a hard place for a parent to be, which is that you can't make your child behave. You can't. Your child has a say in this whole thing. But if you have real consequences that make sense, and they're not abusive towards other people in the family, they actually have a choice to make. And in the long run, the vast majority of kids if you have the right consequences set up and you, and you do it right, are going to come around, but it might feel like in the, especially for the stubborn kids, it might take a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of easy kids. The parents that come to us have hard kids.
1: Right. <laughs> and,
2: and it's not the fault of the parent because we've seen this many, many times where they have two easy kids and they have a hard kid.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Those are usually the families that have three kids. Kids families yeah. that have four kids, have three easy kids. And then the fourth one's the hard kid. So usually you go until you hit that hard kid. <laughs> and it's not like you're a different parent. You're the same parent to all your kids. Some kids are more difficult than others. Yeah. yeah, And then they require different parenting techniques and skills. And we always say that you want to parent the child you have, not the child you wish you had, because kids are all different. So you have to do things a little different with different kids. But those kids that are difficult and headstrong and it's hard to get them to do what you want them to do, those are actually like our business leaders.
1: Right. And, and <laughs> right. the people
2: that make stuff happen in this world. Right. Yeah. So even though they're hard to raise as kids, sometimes you have to step back and go, these are the Steve Jobs of the world, you know. I'm not saying right. you know, maybe he is, maybe he's not. I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. but,
2: but Steve Jobs was not an easy kid. If you've ever read about what his wife was like, he's so difficult. And you see that like a lot of people that they don't follow the normal straight path, challenging to raise. But if you can get them to behave constructively, they also can do incredible things.
0: Right. Right. You brought up something that I think is really hard when you're trying to tell our son, homework's important, right? Like you've got to do this. He's definitely gone through phases where, well, why? Why do I need to do that? Why do I have to do my homework? It doesn't matter. How do you deal with that? Like when the kid just doesn't see the value in what you're trying to get them to do.
2: I'm so glad you mentioned that because I just did a uh, podcast based on an article that we have. And and the title is Explain Yourself Once and Move On. Mm. Mm. And we let parents know it's okay if your child doesn't understand your rationale or your reasoning. They may not want to understand. They may not be able to understand. You explain yourself once and then you just move on. And you don't have to struggle and struggle to justify yourself to your child for the rules that you know as a mature adult are important. The child doesn't realize it yet or they don't want to realize it. it. It doesn't matter. It could be one or the other. But we just tell them, explain yourself once and move on.
0: Hmm.
2: That doesn't mean you don't listen to your child. In fact, we say, if your child's complaining, listen to them and ask them you know, what their problem is. Instead of you justifying yourself to your child, turn it around and say, well, you tell me why you should do your homework and then listen to them.
0: Yeah. Like and then that. you can
2: respond to them. You know, I really like that you've advocated for yourself. I like that. That's very important. And, you know, I may consider that, but that's not what the rules are right now. So, and then you can turn around and walk away. Hmm. but the idea that the parent has to justify all of their rules to their child and get their child on board to accept that. (laughs) It's not feasible. It's not going to happen. It's not necessary. Yeah. And we recommend giving kids as much independence as they can take. You want to do all that stuff too, but as as a parent, it's not your job to justify all of your actions to your child.
0: Hmm. So.
1: Yeah. I definitely find myself doing that. Trying to explain like, I'm just going to give my knowledge to you. Like, you know, and
2: they just <laughs> totally nope, work. Yeah, and you work. think if, and you think that if only they would listen to you and they understood your logic, they'd be on board.
1: Right. And it never
2: works that way.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> That's
2: why we say, explain yourself once and move on.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. So I know one of the things you talk about is that you can't punish your child into good behavior. So tell us more about that. And maybe as part of that answer, explain the difference between a consequence and a punishment. So a punishment
2: is like, bang, like like you did something wrong. I think a consequence is something that they actually learn from. Mm -hmm. So you want to be having them do something that lets them practice good behavior as a consequence of the bad behavior. So uh, I'll give a couple examples. Actually, I'm going to start with an example of what you don't want to do. (laughs) Long-term grounding Um, is not not a consequence because it's just doing time. So if you say you're grounded for a week or no phone for a week or two weeks or whatever, all your child is going to learn from that is learn how to do time. We don't want our kids to be good at doing time. That's, that's what you do in prison, right? You don't want your kids good at that. So instead what you do is you want task oriented consequences. Typically, if you can find that. So if your son hits the sister, you take his electronics away and you go for three hours, you have to behave well with your sister. No yelling, no screaming, no hitting. If you can accomplish that, if you can can do three hours of behaving well, you get your phone or you get your electronics back. Hmm. And so they're practicing self-control for three hours. Or another task-oriented thing is if your child you know, hits adolescence, this happens a lot. They swear at you. They do something very inappropriate. Is There's a consequence. They lose something of value to them. And the way they get it back is they write. We're serious about this. They write you a letter explaining to you why they were wrong and why swearing is not allowed and not appropriate in this household. And next mm-hmm. time I'm frustrated, here's what I'm going to do. And that here's what I'm going to do is important because you need to give them an alternative skill. That's the coaching side of it. Yeah, and and you make your son or your or your daughter write this letter, and then when they hand you the letter and it's done like appropriate, reasonably, they're not going to like it. They're going to roll their eyes as they're doing it. That's fine. Right. Let them roll their eyes. Let them groan. Just go. I can't believe you're making me write a letter, but make them complete that task and hand it to you. Then they get their phone back, and then a couple of things have been accomplished. One is they've actually had to do something to get that privilege back. And they've written down the rules of the household because the rules of the household are not necessarily clear to our kids. We think they are because it seems completely reasonable to us. But when you look at what's going on on social media and like what's going on everywhere in the world, swearing within the household may not be something that they're aware is completely out of bounds, like to to swear at your parents. Yeah. So it has that and it's task oriented. They actually complete a task and they do it. Hmm. And it seems hokey, but it works. It's actually very effective to get the kid to do it. Yeah, and and they're gonna pretend that it did nothing. It didn't mean anything. They're gonna roll their (laughs) eyes, and they're gonna make you think it's completely silly. But it's not.
0: Yeah, Yeah. do these things need to be set up in advance? Like, do they need to know if you swear at me, you're gonna have to write a letter, or how much of this should be planned in advance, and they know what they're gonna get if they do X, Y, Z, and how much of it do you need to improvise?
2: It's a little of both. So for the most part, the kids should know the rules, the basic rules of the household. Nothing major, but the basic rules of the household. If you're having behavior problems. And we recommend you put them on the refrigerator and refer to them and say, these are the rules, no swearing, no hitting, no punching walls and breaking things. Just a set of the basic rules of this. We don't do these things in our household. And we recommend you actually put that on the refrigerator. You can point to them. These are, these are the rules. That's why you don't do them. Not because if it's my opinion or someone's. That's the rules in this household. We recommend ahead of time. And, and again, the parents that are coming to us have recurring problems. It's not like it's a one-time thing. Like a lot of kids are pretty easy. They have a couple issues here and there and they're fine. Parents that are coming to us are having problems over and over and over again with their kids, and we recommend that in a quiet time away from your child, you come up with a menu of consequences so that you know what you're going to do the next time your child does this particular problem, and you know they're going to do it again because the reason they're coming to us is because they've done it ten times and you understand. And so, so you know, and you and you take advantage of the fact that they've done it ten times, and now you're prepared for the eleventh time. Right. And it's perfectly fine and recommended that you explain to your child what the consequences are of certain things. Now, now they'll get creative and do things you didn't really think of. Yeah, <laughs> And you don't have to give them all the details. But you can also, at that time, walk away and say, you know, that's not appropriate or, or whatever. Give yourself a few hours to come up with what the consequences. You don't have to decide it right then and there. So, sure. yes, we recommend sharing it with your child. We recommend ahead of time having a menu of consequences. And recommend that if you don't know what the consequences for something that you don't give one right away, and then you, you tell your child that, that you're going to come back and let them know how you're going to fix this problem moving forward and take advantage of the fact that they're doing this over and over again, because these are repeated behaviors to come up with a plan. And then right. you're in execution mode when they do it, your anxiety level comes way down. Mm-hmm. You're so much calmer because you're just, you're executing the plan and you have your words down. You know what words you're going to say to them. You know how you're going to express it all that stuff. When you have that down, you do such a better job when you're dealing with a child in that moment. You're much calmer. You seem much more in control of the situation and you are in more control of the situation. And kids respect that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So rehearsal, preparation, rehearsal, preparation.
0: Yeah.
1: Awesome. One last thing that I wanted to talk about is that you have avoid the why trap. And I think this is (laughs) when we're asking our kids why they're doing the bad things that they're doing. I find that I do it's like, ah, why are you doing that? You know, what should parents do instead to mm-hmm. avoid that?
2: So let me explain briefly what the Y trap is. So the Y trap yeah. is your son knows he's supposed to be doing his homework and you come into his room and he's playing electronics. And the first thing a parent goes, why are you playing electronics? And then you sit there <laughs> and you sit there and you wait, you wait for an answer. Yes. <laughs> we call that the Y trap, which is you have asked your child to provide you with an excuse as to why they are doing electronics. And you're waiting for that excuse. You're asking your child to give you an excuse. Mm. We don't ask for excuses. We don't want excuses. You walk in there and you say, you want to use very direct language. You say, you know, you're supposed to be doing your homework, put your electronics down and go do your homework. And then there's a consequence, tied to it if they don't do that.
0: Mm. So
2: use direct statements. When you're having issues with your child, you always want to use direct statements.
0: Mm.
2: Tell them the behavior that you want to see and then leave it at that. You can walk away. And then let them know, in this case, they might know what the consequences are ahead of time, but but there will be consequences if they don't do it. So using very direct statements, and it's a communication issue. Just like if you've ever been in couple's therapy or something, communication between spouses is a big deal. What they don't tell you is that communication between the parent and child is also a very big deal. How you express yourself and how you communicate matters a lot. And, mm-hmm. and with a child that has behavior issues, it's much easier for them when you use very direct statements. And it also shows that you're in control of the situation, which you want to do. Not to be like authoritarian, but when you're asking them, it's kind of like, you're not sure who's in charge. Hmm. You come in and you say, you know, you're supposed to do your homework. Go do it and leave it at that.
0: You don't need to use that many words. Right. Hmm. I like that. Kimball, this is great. Thank you for your time. Where can people find you if they want so, more?
2: So we're at empoweringparents.com, okay. the website. And there you can sign up for our sort of the flagship program and What's behind all of this work is something called the Total Transformation Program, which is an online step-by-step guide for dealing with, with behavior problems. So if you're the parent that's struggling with behavior issues with your kids, basically from age five, and we go through 25, actually. So five through 25, we have a program in place, which tells you what to do, what to say, how to handle all these situations in a comprehensive manner. So that's empoweringparents.com. We're on Facebook and we're on Instagram also. And we urge you to sign up for our newsletter. So we have a free newsletter and we send articles every couple of days on all of these issues. Very practical stuff.
1: Awesome. awesome. Love that. That's great. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. We appreciate it.
0: So thanks for having me. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview. It's been a few weeks since we did this interview with Kimball, and there was a couple things that really have stuck with us. For me, the first one is that we have started implementing that punishments shouldn't just be time-bound, that that's just doing time. And I really liked that because it was like, oh, yeah, what, what are we teaching them if we just say, you're grounded for a week or you can't do screens for whatever. Or, so you have to attach it to doing something good. So we've had our kids write us notes and say, you're doing this thing until you write us this note or until you show that you can interact with your sibling better. And so there's incentive. They can do something about the punishment instead of just being mad at you in life because they have to just wait out their time.
1: And hopefully it changes the behavior, right? They're thinking about what they actually did. Did they like writing the letter? Absolutely not. They hated it. And, you know. There was tears. There were definitely tears. But I think it just allows their brain to kind of process, what was I doing? And then why it's not okay. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take quite a few times, I'm sure, to really sink in. But at least starts that process of them thinking about it.
0: The other thing we haven't consciously done, but have kind of mentally done is our menu. He talks about having like a menu of punishments. We've subconsciously done that, but that's another great learning is like, have kind of a list of when we break rules, there's going to be kind of X, Y, or Z punishments and whatever kind of fits the bill. So I think that's good. So you're not scrambling to think of a good punishment on the spot, but that it's more one that you can give yourself time to think of a good punishment and say, there will be a punishment. I have to think of it. And the other is to come up with kind of a list so that they know kind of what they're looking at if they do something. Okay, bye. Thanks everyone for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at ParentingIRLpodcast or find us on our website at ParentingInRealLife.com.
1: Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to tell a friend. That's the best way for people to find out about our podcast. And if you haven't already, give us a rating.
0: And a special thanks to our five kids for being kids.